Thank you for downloading or streaming this message from Emmanuel Church. We are one church with multiple locations, and we believe God wants to bless you right where you are. In a few moments, you're going to hear some practical teaching from God's Word that I believe will be inspiring and relevant to your life. First, though, if you haven't yet experienced Emmanuel Live, we encourage you to go to our website, eclife.org, to check out our service times and locations so that you can experience Emmanuel in person or through our online campus. If this message blesses you and you'd like to support the ministry financially, again, you can go to eclife.org and click on the Giving tab and choose Online Campus at your campus. Thanks again for joining us today, and we hope this message will be an encouragement to you on your spiritual journey. Well, good morning, church. How's everybody feeling today? I hope everybody had a happy Halloween. You guys have a good time this Halloween? Yeah? A little chilly here. I know we had some, uh, some folks, I know we have some folks watching uh, from different parts of the country, and especially in the south, it might've, you might have had a warmer experience, but here in the central Indiana area, it was pretty cold. Didn't we have some snow, right? Uh, we had uh, fewer trick-or-treaters this year than ever, I think, because of the cold weather, but still had a good time, and uh, so we want to we wanna just say welcome to you today. You know, some, some people ask me the question, like, what does the staff do during the week? You know, I mean, the sermon on the weekend and the service, but what, like through the week, you know, there's a big staff. We have a big staff here at Emmanuel, you know, four different campuses, five different campuses, including online. You know, what, what, what really goes on? Well, apparently, especially during the week of Halloween, we, we, we scare each other. I didn't know that. Uh, but this week, Pastor Cody uh, was, was, was scaring people all through the week, and he scared about four different staff members. I guess it's a thing he likes to do. And so the, the, the Greenwood staff here decided they were going to get back at Pastor Cody on Thursday morning. I had nothing to do with this. Like, I don't like to be scared. I don't like to scare people. It's just not a thing for me. So, uh, so basically, they kind of set, they, they set up Pastor Cody pretty well. They actually did a run-through uh, on this deal, uh, just to make sure it would work. And anybody remember Michael Myers from, from, from Halloween? It's, it's just not a good movie to watch or a series of movies. So don't, don't go back and Netflix it. It's just bad stuff. But, um, but uh, they decided to get him with Michael Myers. I want you to see what happened Thursday morning uh, at this campus. Check this out. Pastor Cody's just the Greenwood campus pastor, but he's always kind of struck me as like a man, like a man's man. He's got a you know a nice nice red beard. You know he's, he wears flannels. He eats a lot of steak. Um, you know he looks really good in a tight shirt. You know like you know if, you know in high school he was a wrestler. You know it's like you don't want to like meet Cody or get it on the street or get him mad or something like that. But I've always wondered you know how do you really tell if a man is a real man? And, and it's not, you know, meat eating, beard wearing, flannel wearing, you know, chainsaw cutting, you know, kind of guy. It, it's, it's what kind of sound does he make when he's caught off guard? I mean, that tells the whole story. And if you, if you didn't catch that in the video, you can also watch it on my Instagram feed anyway. <laughs> uh, if you didn't catch it in the video, the sound that came out of him was like this deep primal, like, you know, when he got scared, you know, like. If that had been me, it might have been like, yeah, you know, something like that, you know. And so, Cody, we just love you. Thank you for being a man's man. 
Again, welcome to all of our campuses here today, our microsites, everyone tuning in online. We're in a series right now uh, called Greater Things, and it's our series that we usually do annually on generosity. And so I'm excited that many of you decided to come back. I didn't scare you away last week. And so thank you for returning for week number two. We've been talking about this idea that we as a church in the last 12 years, God through our church has done some amazing things. We've been launching campuses and we've been helping people overseas. We just talked about a group of people that came back from one of our partners in Nicaragua, feeding hundreds and hundreds of families. God has really done phenomenal things. We've seen over 5,000 people come to Christ in the last 12 years. Uh, last nine years, uh, we've baptized over 1,400 people. Um, we're, 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 we're just, we're blessing teachers. We're blessing, you know, students here uh, in, in town with food and clothing and libraries. And, and basically, we're trying to come up with as many ideas as we can to be a generous church and to bless our community, not just locally, but also globally. And God has really done some phenomenal things. Uh, what's interesting, though, is that we've done all of that on 21% of our potential as a church, which, you know, is pretty awesome that, that only 21% of the families who uh, p- participate financially have, have been able to do that much through the ministries of Emmanuel. But what we've said is we can do so much more. We can, we can do four times as much if all of our fam- all the families of Emmanuel decided that they were going to jump in to make a difference. And so this series is all about raising our level of generosity, not so that anyone can get rich or have more money, or, but so that we can distribute that money and be a bigger blessing in our community, in our world, which they desperately need. Do you agree? Yes or no? Do you agree? And so that's what we want to do. We want to be a, a greater blessing. And we want to do greater things. And and here's what we said last week just by way of review. You were created to be a giver. You were created to be a giver. But giving doesn't come naturally. Uh, second, in 2 second Corinthians chapter 8, the Apostle Paul is writing to a group of Christians called the Corinthian Christians, and he's trying to motivate them to be generous. And I want you to see what he says in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Watch this. He says, hey, Corinthian Christians, since you guys excel, these guys were, they were above average. They went way beyond what is normal. Since you excel in so many ways, in your faith, in your gifted speakers, you have a lot of knowledge, you're enthusiastic enthusiasm is through the, loo- the, through the roof. Your love for us is overwhelming. Since you excel in all of these different ways, I also, here's his pastoral heart, ready? I also want you to excel in this gracious act of giving. He's like, don't, don't drag, don't be at the bottom of the barrel. Don't, don't, don't be subpar in this area of giving when you're excelling in all of these other ways. I want you to raise the level of your generosity. I want you to go way above normal. And what is he talking about? He was raising money for a poor group of Christians in Jerusalem. He said, come on, you guys were willing, you said you'd do it, come on, now I want you to excel in your generosity. And that is God's heart for God's people. It's my heart for you. We can do better than 21%. Do you agree? Yes or no? Hey, last week we had 60 brand new givers, first-time givers to Emmanuel Church. We had 208 gifts of $10. God is doing some work. Thank you so much for taking the challenge. So what we've been talking about is obstacles to generosity. Back when I was about 20 or 21 years old, I had a big obstacle in my head. And in your notes, it was really simple. It, it was this right here. Giving is for those who can afford it. That, that was the obstacle. And, it, and this obstacle in my mind, when, when it was time in church for the buckets to be passed, I would just simply sit it out. Okay? And, and, and my thinking was, it's, it's, just, it's just not possible. 
Giving is for those who can afford it. And, and here's, here was kind of my story. I was a college student, and, and, and I was taking 18 credit hours or 16 credit hours, whatever it was, and I was also delivering pizza for Papa John's, and that's, that's not a necessarily a fun job in a college town because tips are, you know, college kids don't have a lot of money, so they don't tip that well. Anyway, boo-hoo me, right? Crime, everybody's got a story. So 20 bucks a night, 30 bucks a night in tips, whatever. So by the end of the week, I'd have, you know, maybe 60, 70, 80 bucks in my pocket. If I had a good week, it'd be like $100. And then Jerry Jerry Falwell, the church I went to because I taught a Sunday school class there, Jerry Falwell would get up, and this is kind of a picture of Jerry. This is really what it looked like. This is Jerry, and this, see this gigantic pulpit? I think you stepped up into it. Can you imagine that? And now we've got this little table on a chair. He's probably, like, you know, freaking out like we're not doing church right or something. I don't know. Anyway, back then, you know, you, know, you had the, the real important people that would sit on stage. Anybody grow up in a church like this? It's like, what are they doing? Like, what's their, what's their job, you know? I've always wondered that, you know? I mean, these people, we understand they're singers, but what do, they, what do these guys do? Anyway, anyway, anyway. But Jerry, <laughs> Jerry, that's just what I would think. Anyway, Jerry would get up there. Man, he had this baritone voice. It was like, if you have, if, if, if a preacher, I, I don't have a preacher's voice, and I know it, whatever. But, but Jerry had a preacher's voice. It was like baritone, and, and he would get up there, and he, would, and he was in charge of the offering. No one ever else took the offering. And he would take his time with it, you know. This was the part of the service where you gave. And he would walk people through it, and he would tell you, he would actually give people the opportunity. He would say, go ahead and get your checkbooks out, because there was no electronic giving. He'd say, go ahead and get your checkbooks out. And he would say, give them time to take their checkbook out. And he would tell them, write your checks payable to Thomas Road Baptist Church. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead, write your check. He would do this every Sunday. It's amazing, amazing, you know, and, and it was a big deal. And, and so I'm sitting there as a college student, 20 years old, you know, 60, 70 bucks in my pocket. And I'm like, dude, you're smoking crack. There's, there's no way. I'm not. I, you don't understand. I can't afford this. Like my, the money that's in my pocket, this is for pizza at night. You know, in college, you're, you're a college student. Everybody, oh, let's get some pizza at one o'clock in the morning, you know? You know, this is my gas money. This is my pizza money. This is my coffee money that would take my girlfriend out on a date. At that time, it was Jackie, my wife. You know, this is my, this is my coffee money. You're not getting it. I can't afford it. I need it more than you do. And then, you know, I was justified in this because then you look around at this amazing church. You got a hundred people in the choir. There's television cameras. They're televised. And I'm thinking, besides, if I gave you $10 of my, of my hundred or $9 of my 90, you know, what are you going to do with it? Look at this place. And some of you think that about Emmanuel. Well, look at this place. There's smoke and there's lights. The voices, the voices on the stage. I mean, they could be in like American Idol. They got campuses going up left and right. What is my 50 bucks going to do? What is my $40 going to do? What's my $10 a week going to do? Listen, I have been there. And it's not acceptable. God wants to move you past that. The reality is that giving is for everyone. It's not just for those who can afford it. It's not just, it's not a privilege of the rich. It's an opportunity for the poor and everyone in between. There's a story in the Bible that helped me understand this. It's a story about a, a woman. I called her a little woman, but we don't know if she was little or not. She's just a woman. <laughs> um, and and she's, Jesus is, is uh, watching the service at the temple one day. And he just sits down to observe 
the part of the service where everybody was giving their offering. And back in those days, in the temple days, they didn't pass a bucket. There was just a box. And everyone in the service would walk up and, pa- and put their offering in the, in the box. And so Jesus is just sitting there. Watch, watch, watch what happens. Mark chapter 12. So Jesus sat down near the collection box in the temple. And he watched. Why was he watching? Because he was interested. How much were people putting in? What were they not putting in? Why were they putting it in? Jesus could see motive. It's the thing about God. You know, you can see through stuff. Not only was he watching the amount, but he was watching the motive. People give for different reasons. People don't give for different reasons. Jesus is watching. Guess what? He's watching today. He's still watching because he cares. He cares about how you're managing the resources he put in your accounts and in your pocket. Jesus is watching as the crowds dropped in their money. And he notices that the rich people, watch this, many rich people put in large amounts. Now, praise God for rich people. Can I just say that? Pastors like rich people. They do. They do. They do. It's just, just why not? Just say it. They do. Especially rich people who give to the church. It's, it's very, very helpful. I looked at our budget. Our budget of the 21%, 21% of our families make up 100% of our budget. Of the 21%, 25% comes from rich people. So a quarter of our budget, one quarter of everything that happens here across all of our campuses, across all of the world, everything we do, 25% of it comes from the rich people. Can we give it up for the rich people? We love you. Give more. Here's what that means. 75% of the 21%, please, I'm trying not to confuse you with numbers. Hang with me. 75% of the 21% comes from the average everyday Joe like me and you. In other words, we couldn't make it just on the rich people. We actually are making it because of the average person, just like you, just like me. Anyway, back to the rich people. Jesus sees the rich people. They're putting in large amounts. Praise God for them. Then all of a sudden, a poor poor widow comes up, and she drops in two small coins, two tiny little coins. These things are called... I have two of them right here. They're called mites or lepta. The, the Greek word is lepta. Lepta means very super thin uh, uh, um, substance, a lepta. So thin that, 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 that they just, almost like paper. These are, is a replica. These are an actual uh, uh, mites. But two of these together equals one penny. That's how, that's how you know, small of a gift this is. Jesus comes up, he's watching, this woman comes up, and she takes her two little lepta, and she drops them in the offering box. And there's a moment. He has this this idea pop into his mind, and he's like, I've got to teach something. I've got to download this. This is a discipleship opportunity. This is a deep spiritual truth. And he gets his posse together, his boys, his disciples, and listen to what he says to them. He calls them back together, and he says, hey, guys, I want to tell you the truth. This poor widow has given, say it with me, more. This poor widow has given more than all of the others making contributions. To which if I was there that day and I was one of the disciples, I was one of the boys, wouldn't that be cool? I'd, I'd have been like, oh, he didn't sleep too well last night. <laughs> he, Jesus must have ate something that didn't agree with him because he is obviously not thinking straight because those two mites 
couldn't possibly be more than all of the other people who were dropping in 10%. Why were they dropping in 10%? Because they were temple-going Jewish people. They were not Gentiles. They came to the service ready to give the tithe. They obeyed the law. They were giving large amounts, 10%. How is it that this woman's two mites, two mites equal a penny, how is it that her gift could be more than everyone else who's making contributions? That's the question I want to ask today. How is that possible? What was it about her gift that made it more? And he had to see this look on, on his disciples' faces like, huh, what? Can you, ex- like, Jesus, are you okay? You know what it was? Her gift, her two mites were a sacrifice. If you're taking notes, you know what made her gift more than everybody else's? Her gift was a sacrifice. Listen to verse 44. This is what Jesus says. He sees the look of confusion on his disciples' faces, perhaps, and he explains it like this. Here's why, guys. For they gave, all of the other people gave tiny parts of their surplus. They're extra. But she, poor as she is, she has given everything she had to live on. I'm talking about the the money that she was going to buy bread with to eat, milk to drink. See, what made her gift more than everybody else's, you can barely see these in my hands, it it wasn't the practical side of, wow, now we can bless the poor, look what she gave. It wasn't the practical, it wasn't the amount, it wasn't the size of the gift, it was the it was the size of the sacrifice. It was what it cost her, and it it cost her everything. And Jesus is like, whoa, look at this woman who gave everything she had. There is another group of Christians called the Macedonian Christians. If you've read the book of 2 Corinthians, you know about the Macedonian Christians. Paul was using the Macedonian Christians to motivate the Christians in Corinth to give to the poor Christians in Jerusalem. Okay, if you can follow that with me. And so he writes to the Corinthians about the Macedonians. Listen to what he says about the Macedonians. 2 Corinthians chapter 8. These Macedonian Christians were being tested by many troubles. Their life was not easy. They were suffering persecution. They had all kinds of problems. And on top of their problems, they were also what? They were very poor. A little bit louder, they were very poor. They didn't have much. They were like this poor widow. But they also had something else. They were filled with abundant joy, which overflowed in what? Rich generosity. Mm. Paul continues. We're going to come back to this, but Paul continues his thought. For I can testify that they gave not only what they could afford, which wasn't much, but then they gave far more. And they didn't do it out of compulsion. They didn't do it because someone made them feel guilty. They didn't do it because some preacher gave a sermon. They did it because of their own free will. They heard about these poor Christians in Jerusalem, and they're like, oh, we want to help. You don't have to ask. You don't have to say another word. Where's the bucket? Where's the box? We want to help. We want to help these people. They gave it of their own free will. Jesus is drawn to this woman's gift He's drawn to the Macedonians. Paul is using them as an example. Why? Because they gave sacrificially. Giving is not for those who can afford it. Giving is for those who understand that there is joy 
and sacrifice. Can we go back to verse 2? Why did these people give? Why did these Macedonians give? Not only what they could afford, but even more, far more. Well, watch. They had this abundant joy inside of them, which overflowed in rich generosity. They believed with all of their heart what Jesus said, that it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. They had felt before in times past that when they blessed somebody else, they received a blessing in themselves, that they were actually happier and more blessed when they were giving to others, when they were just taking, taking, taking for themselves. And so they said to themselves, where's the bucket? Where's the box? It's not much, practically speaking, but I don't want to miss an opportunity for joy. As it turns out, sacrifice is a privilege of the poor. I know that didn't make sense, but it's just true. Why? Because when you have joy inside of your heart, it overflows in rich generosity, which begs the question, well, how much? Let's get practical. How much should I sacrifice? Honestly, I don't know. C.S. Lewis helps us a little bit in his book, Mere Christianity. You can't really preach a sermon without some C.S. Lewis. You know what I'm talking about? He's going to get in there one way or another. C.S. Lewis helps us understand this. These words are based on the New Testament teaching. Listen to what he says in Mere Christianity. I don't believe one can settle how much you ought to give based on what the Bible says. I'm afraid the only safe rule is to give more than you can spare. If our charities do not at all pinch us or hamper us, I should say they're too small. There ought to be things that we should like to do and cannot do because our charitable expenditures exclude them. Wow. That's what sacrifice looks like. We'd like to go on this vacation, but, I, but we can't because... Our giving at the church is too high. We'd like to remodel our kitchen. You know, new cabinets, maybe new countertops. But we cannot because we've given too much to the church. Now, I know that in in this country, in this community, there are things we cannot do because we've already spent too much on college education. We have medical bills. And we have credit card debt. And so we hold back our expenses sometime. Are, are, are purchasing because of things that we've already spent money on. But I don't, I don't know that there's an epidemic of people who, who, who cannot do things because their giving to the church is too high. Not heard one of those stories. But this woman, she gives everything she has. So there's things that she cannot do, like buying bread and milk because she gave too much to the temple. How interesting, just challenging our thoughts. Why was her gift more than everybody else's? It wasn't because of the amount. It was because of what it cost her. Is this making sense? Yes or no? Is it convicting? Yes or no? Does her story put us to shame? Yes or no? It sure does. But why else? Why else? Well, before, before, before I go there, let me ask you a tough question. This is, this, is a, this is a really tough question. What is it that you can't do because of your generosity. Can you answer that? Is there anything? As I think through my life, I think through in the last 20 years, uh, my wife and I have been returning the tithe and we've done extra and a 10%. By the way, tithe means 10%. A tithe is not your gift. If, if it equals 10%, then it's a tithe. 
we've done that for 19 years or however long we've been married in the, in the church here. And um, I've never added it up. I was thinking about this. I've never added up my tithe over 20 years. But I can tell you that, that, that it'd probably be a really nice sports car. Have you seen the 2020 Corvette? I mean, I cannot buy that. I would like to, but I cannot because our charitable expenditures are too high. There ought to be things that, I'd love to do that. Can't. Now, I need to be more sacrificial. I'm not, I'm not necessarily the example. You know who the example is in this? C.S. Lewis. Did you know that after he wrote Chronicles of Narnia and, and Screwtape Letters and millions of dollars started to come in, you know what he did? He took all of that money and put it into a fund so that anybody who asked for money would get a check. He didn't take any of it. Now those words mean something, don't they? You see, her, her, her gift was, was more than everybody else's because of what it costs her. Number two, why else? Let, let's talk about this. She didn't make an excuse. If anybody had an excuse to sit the offering out, this part of the service, when we passed the buckets, it was her. Listen, Back in those days, when your husband died, you lost your income. Women were not trained. They were not educated. They didn't have a trade. They weren't skilled. She lost her income. She was living off either family members or the temple. If anybody had an excuse to to sit this part of the service out, it was this woman, and she didn't make an excuse, and Jesus noticed. The Macedonian Christians didn't make an excuse either. They were very poor, and they were having all kinds of problems, but listen to what Paul says about them. They begged us. They begged us. Can you imagine? You're poor. You're, 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 you have all kinds of problems. But, but, but there's these other group of people that are poor as well. And, and you're like, no, we don't want to miss out on an opportunity to help them. Can you imagine? They begged us again and again. It's like Paul tried to be like, come on, guys. Listen, you don't have much. Listen, I'll go to another city and I'll get some money raised for these Christians in Jerusalem. You don't have to give. And they said, no, give me the bucket. Where is it? Imagine we had a group of people at Emmanuel. It's like, where's the bucket? I'm so ticked you left the offering part out of the service. Where do I put this money? They begged us again and again for the privilege of sharing in the gift for the believers in Jerusalem. They didn't make an excuse. They didn't use their poverty or their trouble. They didn't do like I did when I was 20. Like, come on, man. Giving's not. Giving is for those who can afford it. You obviously don't need my money anyway. And here we are among the richest people in the world. If you make $45,000 or more, you're in the top 1% earners on the globe, and we have a whole list. 79% of us have a list of reasons why when this passes by, we give nothing. Zero. Well, you don't understand. I've got medical bills. You don't understand. I've got college debt, and I've got to save for retirement, and we've got to save for college, and we've got to... Listen, I, I, I get it. I get it. You can come up with a list of excuses. You can. It just doesn't work. Because the widow... The widow has the last word. She had the right to make an excuse. And if she had made an excuse, everyone would have been like, of course you sit this one out. You only got two mites. No one would have said, oh, ma'am, would you please put one of those in there, please? What's, what's your excuse? What is it? Jesus is watching and he's listening. This woman's gift draws his attention because she, she just refuses to make an excuse. And then thirdly, I think that her gift catches his attention because it required deep faith. 
Her gift required deep faith. We're going to talk more about this next week, so I'm not going to go too deep. But listen, listen to this. You cannot give sacrificially unless you believe there's a God who will resupply you. Did you hear what I said? You will not give. You might tip the jar, put a few dollars in, but you will not give sacrificially unless you believe in the God who resupplies Now, the Bible is filled with truth about this from cover to cover, that if you give, God will give back to you. It's a promise in the scriptures, and we'll look more about this next week. This woman believed it. She said, if anybody would have objected to her giving these two mites, she would have said, listen, you don't understand. It's going to come back to me. Oh, what are you talking about? I just have a God who will take care of me. Proverbs chapter 19, verse 17 puts it this way. Whoever is generous to the poor, lends to the Lord, and he will, say it with me, repay him for his deed. Now, there's two things going on here. First, there's the gift to the poor. They will, it's not a loan to them, it's a gift. They will not repay, yes? They are not going to repay you. But it's also a loan to the Lord. How interesting. Your gift to the poor is lending money to God. Now, I know people in this church that have lent money to other people and not been repaid. Sometimes people just don't repay you. So I'm like, yeah, tell me about it. (laughs) By the way, if you owe somebody some money, pay them. It's a good habit to get into. But many of you are owed money right now because you lent money to somebody who didn't repay you. What if you lent money to God? Do you think he has a character... Do you think his character makeup is such that he would repay you, yes or no? It says it right here, that if you lend money to God by giving to the poor, that he will, say it again with me, repay you. Do you believe that if you're generous to the poor, that God will repay you, yes or no? All of our campuses, yes or no? Okay, 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 okay. Hang with me. If you believe that, what's the holdup? Why are you sitting out the offering? Why is it that 79% of you say, no? See, faith is acting as if what you say you believe is true. This woman acted in a way that she believed was true. You don't understand. If I put these two mites in, God will take care of me. It required deep faith. Again, we're going to go deeper into this next week, but my wife and I, our family, we just believe it. We actually believe this. So, so we do the 10% and we're trying to talk about more and what can we do? And we believe in all, with all of our hearts, you cannot outgive God. I had somebody tell me that last week. I've had, I've had people tell me that all the time. I've tried, you cannot, he always repays and then he gives interest on top of that. <laughs> if not in this life, can you imagine the next life? Lay up treasures for yourselves in heaven where moth and rust don't come in and eat and decay and destroy and steal. And it's not always monetary. Sometimes it is. I was thinking about my life. And we've returned the tithe and we've been giving for many, many, many years. And I got to thinking about my wife. On the way out of the door this morning, I looked at her and I said, you're awesome. She is. Have you met her? She's awesome. Mom, worker, wife, fun to be around, funny to be around, tender, caring, compassionate, way too merciful to our children. (laughs) But she is awesome. 
I don't know a lot of men that can say that. My wife is awesome. I cannot wait to be with her. There's some. Is there anything connected to, 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 to you know, is this at work in my life at all? I, I would say, I would say yes. The blessings are not always monetary. Sometimes it's a great marriage. Sometimes it's healthy kids, good children. Sometimes it's good physical health. We don't know how God repays us. We, he just says, look, you, get, you lend to the Lord, I, I'll, I'll pay you back. Again, we'll dive more into this next week, but do you believe it? This, this gift got Jesus' attention because, because it, it required deep faith. She didn't make excuses, and, and, and it cost her. It was a sacrifice. We can sum up this sermon this way. The title of this talk, by the way, is Small Matters. Isn't that cool? I thought that was cool. Small things matter to God because it's not the size of the gift, but the size of the sacrifice that matters. So if you're sitting here thinking, man, $5, you know, $10 is not going to make a difference. It's not about the amount. It's about what it, what it costs you. And if we all jumped in together as a team, instead of 21%, we flipped it to like 90, 90% or 80%, we'd be able to touch more lives. We'd be able to touch more lives like Chelsea. Chelsea's a person that if you're part of the 21%, you played a role in blessing her life. She was down on her luck. She suffered some terrible circumstances and accidental suicide, she'll tell you in a second. We will be able to bless more people like Chelsea if we all jump in. Check out her story. We started staying place to place and I was pregnant and thinking about adoption. I was thinking about going to a fire department. I was thinking about abortion. There were a lot of things that were running through my head um, that I wasn't necessarily comfortable with, let alone happy with any decision that I was gonna have to make. Um, my oldest son, his name is Jordan Ray McKinney, and he's six years old, he's in first grade. My second child is my daughter. Her name is Sunny, and she is five. Jordan and Sonny's father passed away from an accidental suicide. He was uh, abusing alcohol and was playing with a gun and shot himself in the head on accident. That was October of 2015. In November 2017, I actually lost my job of four years and that was my only income. Maybe a month later, my car was vandalized and I wasn't able to provide transportation to get them to school and find another job to pay the bills. So I lost my apartment. I had actually met somebody new and we were dating for about six months. Things sort of went south, we couldn't get along. A few months after that, I found out that I was pregnant by him. And when I informed him of the pregnancy, he told me that I needed to figure it out for myself and that he had moved on and was with somebody else. I kind of down-spiraled and, you know, I didn't have any resources or anybody to really to reach out to. Slept in my car several times. Um, we were staying in hotels, things like that, and the school just kind of saw me struggling a bit with everything. They told me that I could probably gain some resources if I decided to come to church. And I showed up at church and spilled my heart out. Emmanuel provided a hotel room for me for two weeks um, to stay while 
I was getting approved for an apartment. So once I got into my apartment, thanks to Carol at Haven, I um, had previously lost all of our belongings due to losing my apartment beforehand. Um, well, I told Carrie at Emmanuel about the things that I needed and church members gathered to help provide those things for me and my family um, to furnish the place that we live in and get us food and clothes and school uniforms and, you know, a TV and just a lot of stuff that I've never expected from anybody, um, let alone complete strangers. I think it was in, you know, a lot of those moments where I just felt like I had lost my faith and that God really didn't exist. Um, I wasn't a drug addict. I, you know, I didn't have problems with myself. It was just me being in a negative situation and something that I didn't have people to help me out of until I met Carrie and started coming to Emmanuel and I feel like my faith has been restored. I don't have to worry about, you know, what they're going to eat for dinner and if they're going to get off the bus in time or if they have clean clothes the next day. When I found faith in Emmanuel and God touched me again, he really showed me what love was about and generosity and, you know, what people can do for other people when they don't even know that person. Don't you love our church? <laughs> One of my favorite things about what Chelsea said in that video is that just at the time where she began to lose faith in God, the church stepped in with generosity, a place to stay, pra meeting practical needs. And it was through your generosity that her faith was restored. You see how these things are connected? The more generous we are, the more people like Chelsea we can touch. So I hope, you, I hope the message landed today with you. And if it did, here's, here's how I want to challenge you. First of all, I, I want to lay the, the burrito challenge out in front of you. I know it's kind of corny, but it's about $10 a week. It's about $40 a month. That's what it would cost you if you ate one burrito a week plus a drink. And the way you would do that is text the word GIVE to 65248. You get a link right to your phone. You click on that link. It takes you right to the PushPay app. The $10 challenge is already preset. And all you have to do is follow the prompt, set up a weekly occurring gift, and fill out your information there, and it's done. Our wife and I use this. It's so good. If you did the burrito challenge last, last year and you've been doing $10 a week, but you've seen God bless you and your income has gone up, then maybe you shifted to the, the quesadilla challenge, you know, or something like that. You know, it's $15 or $20 a week. You know, the Bible says that we're to give according to how God has blessed us. Now, last year I did a similar series. We did a similar, similar series and gave the $10 challenge. And there was a gentleman here uh, that was here for the first time on that weekend. And he said, you know, you talked about the burrito challenge, but it was a little bit too much for me. So I decided to take the cigarette challenge. And I'll, he just told me this last week. I'm no joke. I'm standing right here with me. I'm like, the cigarette challenge? Like, what's that? You know? And he's like, well, you know, I'm a smoker. So I thought $10 a week is probably too much, but I spend about $5 a week on cigarettes. Then maybe I'll just do five bucks a week. So I decided to sign up and do the $5, the $5 challenge. I guess we could have called it the $5 challenge, but that wouldn't have been as cool. Um, 
So, so I was like, oh man, I'm gonna share that with the church next week. And, and here's what he told me. He said, since I did the cigarette challenge, you know, uh, God has blessed me and I have a new job and, and I've, so I've raised it even more. And I said, man, that's awesome. And uh, now by no means is this a promotion for Marlboro here. In fact, it says on the box, you know, these will kill you. Hint, 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 don't smoke. In fact, if you are a smoker, this might be a great opportunity for you to smoke less, take that money and give it to the church. Just a thought. Anyway, the cigarette challenge is a $5 challenge, or you could call it the latte challenge at Starbucks. It's $5.25 for a grande latte. How do I know that? I get them all the time. Maybe you're thinking, oh, that's too much money, $20 a month, whatever. Maybe you're, I don't know what your situation is. Here's my challenge for you, okay? Now I'm going way down. This is like I'm scraping the bottom here, okay? This is the Emmanuel Coffee Challenge, okay? So many of you know we give away free coffee here across all of our campuses. If I told you how much money that costs us, it's, a, it's an obscene amount of money. Some of you might write the elders and ask for a business meeting. We don't do things that way anymore. So, but, but you're going to want it if I told you the amount. We, but we're trying to be generous to our community and say, hey, come in, have a free cup of coffee. So, so, since the coffee's free and 79% of you don't give anything, here's my dollar challenge, okay? One dollar, one dollar. If you're going to drink the coffee, just put a dollar in the pocket. Is that fair? Like, that's like the minimum entry level, okay? Now, so that'd be a lot of good. That would help us out. Take the coffee challenge. Everybody's clapping for that one. Nobody clapped for the burrito challenge. Now, if, if, if you're sitting there today and you're watching, you're like, yeah, but I don't drink coffee. You, listen, listen, I've got nothing to say to you. I've got no other challenges. I, that's the bottom of the barrel, okay? In fact, I do have something to say to you. God might smite you on the way out, okay? So, so be careful, be careful. Uh, that, <laughs> there's just something going on there in your heart, okay? So, so we got the coffee challenge, we got the cigarette challenge, we got the burrito challenge. And here's the thing, here's the thing. Some of you, you're like, man, you know, I make so much money. What is sacrifice? It, another burrito is not a sacrifice for me. Look, I fall into that category. I'm not going to up at $5. That wouldn't cost me anything. There's, there's no widow's might involved with that. So you have to rethink that. My wife and I are having conversations about that. What is our time? We're already tithing, so what else should we do? Like, you have to think about something else. If, you're, if your generosity is not impacting your life, if there's nothing that you can't do because of your generosity, probably, you're probably not giving enough. So just want to lay that challenge out there before you. We're going to have our ushers come down right now to receive our offering. I'm going to pray across all of our campuses. You do as the Spirit leads you. My hope is that you're not doing this because you feel guilty or because the pastors, but of your own free will, like the Macedonian Christians of your own free will, because of the joy in your heart, you want to give. Where's the bucket? Where's the app? Where, what is 65248 to the, uh, the word give to 65248. And you're doing it because you want to, not because I'm compelling you to. So let's pray and you do as the Spirit leads you. Father, we love you. Thank you for demonstrating generosity to us. You went first. I pray, Father, that your people would respond, not just today, but from here on out. This is a path of life. This is a way of being in the world. Help us to follow the widow's example and to give sacrificially. We pray this in Christ's name, amen. Before we close and get out of here, I just, I just wanna say one more thing about this, this widow and why Jesus took notice of her and why he was so moved by her gift. I think it was because her gift aligned with his own heart. He saw something in her that was in him. Think about it. 
She gave everything she had. What mission was Jesus on? Think about it. He was on a mission to go to the cross to give what? Everything he had. Not just the money in his pocket, but his very life. He went to the cross and he allowed himself to be beaten, humiliated, crown of thorns on his head, his back torn up, nails between his hands, nails between his feet, a stick over the head, a fist to the face. They pulled out his beard. They spit in his face and they crucified him for you and for me. And he's looking at this woman. He's like, oh, kindred spirit. I've got somebody here who's willing to give it all. I will one day give it all for the human race. Her generosity did not go unnoticed by Jesus because it matched his heart. It matched his generosity for you and for me. What have you done with with Jesus's generosity? Have you responded to it? Have you, have you embraced his death on the cross to pay the penalty for your sin? What have you done with it? I'm not talking about joining a church. I'm not talking about becoming part of a religion. I'm talking about putting your faith and trust in Christ. I'm talking about starting a relationship with God. God the Father sent Jesus Christ to this earth to die on a cross for you and I so we can be in a relationship with him. The Bible calls it reconciliation, call it redemption, call it the forgiveness of sins, whatever you want. It's you and God being in a relationship. What have you done with that generosity? It cost God everything. It cost him his very own son. If you've not trusted in Christ, If you've not said yes to him, if you've not put your faith in Jesus, maybe this is the moment for you, whatever campus you're at, whether you're watching online or you're physically present. If you feel strangely, oddly drawn into this moment, pulled into it, this moment is for you. Take these words, say them to God, back them by faith, and you can become God's child today. Would you pray with me if you feel led to? Just say this to him, dear Jesus, Thank you for your tremendous generosity, for allowing yourself to be crucified for my sin. Thank you for paying the penalty I should have paid, for paying the debt that I should have paid. I ask you right now to forgive me to wash me of all my sin. I put my trust in you. I put my life in your hands. I ask you to be my savior. Breathe new life into me. Fill me with your spirit and make me your child. And from this day forward, may your spirit of generosity flow through me into the lives of others. May I follow your example. I pray this in Christ's name. And everybody said, amen, amen, amen. Can we give God glory? Come on, guys.
If you trusted in Christ right now, whatever campus you're at, we would love to express some generosity to you by putting a New Believers Bible in your hands. Whatever campus you're at, they're in the back of the auditorium. Just tell those folks that you trusted Christ, they'll put one of these in your hand. If you did it online, just let us know in the comments there, and we'll be sure to get one of these in your hands. Can we give God glory one more time for what he's done? Amen.